everyone, and welcome to I Hope I Can Make It Through, a Degrassi viewing podcast. I'm your veteran, Donnie. I'm your um, neophyte, Frank, who says relax. <laughs> because Well, we got to, because today we're going to be checking out Degrassi The Next Generation Season 2, Episode 17, Relax. So to help us through this plot, we have a very special guest. This person is a person that I'm very happy to be a person writing in the world with um this person has appeared in a couple pretty cool zines um in our in the fandom circles that we run in um this person also has a degree in marine biology and oceanography um and knows a whole lot about really cool animals um and always is able to teach me new things about them um and also the most important detail our very first Canadian on the show. So please, let's give a very warm welcome to our guest, Hannah. Woo! Yay! Guys, thanks for having me. So, Hannah, we must ask you the big question that we ask any guest on this show. What is your relationship with Degrassi? That's uh, an interesting one. I'm very familiar with it as it exists in, like, the Canadian cultural consciousness uh, partly because as a child, I, I would only watch cartoons and dubbed anime. And partly because I had a lot of, like, misogyny and decided that Degrassi was for girls. So I wouldn't watch it, despite the fact that I am. Interesting, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I had nothing to base that off of, except that it sounded like a kind of girly name. And I was like, oh, I don't like that. I'm too cool to do girl things, even though I didn't do boy things either. I just didn't know things. <laughs> so I guess I get. <laughs> I guess my question is, especially because I'm American, um, you know, I've read slash talked to some Canadians about like Degrassi as a cultural marker in Canada and things like that. But like, what seems to be your take on it? What seemed to be the lasting impression that Degrassi has kind of had in your, in like how you conceptualize it as a Canadian? Um, and I don't have a ton of familiarity with the show itself. For me, it's the thing that people mention when they're talking about Canadian media. It's usually Degrassi and sometimes like Nickelback. <laughs> which is an interesting combination of items to uh, have together. But it's mostly that it seems to be a cultural touchstone for regards to the Canadian school experience. Um, and having not watched very many episodes, I don't know 100% how accurate it is, but this episode seems all right so far. Awesome. Thank you very much for that, because like I feel like sometimes Frank and I are talking out of our asses and like... <laughs> We, we've had, like, Canadian listeners give us some insight on what is going on, but it's really nice to actually, like, have a conversation with someone as opposed to just, like, a, an occasional tweet, which we do appreciate, but, like, it's nice to have, like, an extended conversation with somebody with that in mind. So thank you for being our, our first can Canadian. We really appreciate it, Hannah. <laughs> So I guess let's just get to it. Um, we love to invite our guests to give us a brief introduction of our A plot and B plot. So Hannah, if you would like to do the honors. Sure. 
The A plot is that Liberty is chosen as the manager for the girls' floor hockey team, which is one of at least three types of hockey, which we have up here in Canada. It's a little intense in trying to secure a sponsorship and lead the team to victory, um, which I have opinions about, but we'll get to that later. Uh, the B plot seems to be that it gets into palm reading, palm, and then Paige uses the misreading to take advantage of Terry, which I also have opinions about. <laughs> yeah. And I know I generally do this during a discussion, but our common theme is bossiness. Oh, yes. That is definitely our connector between these two. Um, but let's get to our B-plot, because now we're doing this thing where we talk ahead of time and actually plan out the order in which we're going to talk about these these damn plots. So we're doing gonna... literally the smallest amount of pre-pro before an episode. <laughs> We're very professional here, everybody. I remember, I forget which guest it was. They're like, yeah, so my second watch. It's like, second watch? Oh my god, that was so funny. I, I'm always surprised when someone comes onto the show and it's like, yeah, I've watched this like two, three times. I'm like, oh, bless you. That's, that's a lot of work. I don't, I, I, I don't know how you made... took separate notes both times. Yeah, like, I'm always impressed. I mean, whatever. Let's get to this B-plot, because I, you know, let's just do it. Um, so Terry is dabbling in the dark arts again. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, um, Hannah, obviously I don't expect you to know this, but we we have, as, as uh, repeated viewers, we have experienced Terry and her foray in, in magic before um, she got really into tarot for a hot second. And we all saw how that ended. Um, and even With though... Tarot and Ouija. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> so, like, even though, like, she said, like, oh, I'm, I'm not doing that stuff anymore, clearly she couldn't stay too far away from it because the B-plot opens up and Terry is doing a palm reading on Hazel. So... <laughs> Of course, like, this leads to this discussion, which is basically, like, the, the, the you know, Terry, Hazel, Paige faction versus Ashley, because, and once again, Hannah, I don't expect you to remember this, but, like, Ashley has, like, an aunt who reads tea leaves and stuff like that. Like, this is, like, totally canon, and, like, Ashley, like, now has, like, a deep appreciation for the art form of, like, witchcraft because of it. Not because of her goth nature, but because of this aunt. Um, Yo, how pumped was um, Ashley's aunt when she got to meet Ellie? Oh my god, yes. Yes, 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 yes. Um, so, so they have, like, this, like, conversation about it. And this, obviously, does not deter Terry at all. And Terry does a read on Paige's palm, and she's, like, super freaked out about it. Which leads me to a question for you two. Did you guys ever dabble in palm reading in high school? Because I sure did when I was watching this. It was relatable. Um, the closest I ever got was, like, I never bothered with any of this stuff. Um, and I never knew anybody who, like, wanted to touch my hands long enough to do that. <laughs> um... So, yeah, now, like, I only did Ouija once, 
when I was like 25 and it kind of weirded me out. Um, I had a few, one or two tarot card readings. Uh, that's about it. I did get yeah, a I never got like super into in real life. I was so into it in my fiction. I read any book that had the word prophecy and the synopsis on the back. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't super into knowing my own fate because I figured it would be much less interesting than someone named like Astar Nebula from some space planet or whatever. Like I I know you're a writer. Do you use like destinies and prophecies in your manuscripts all that much? Anymore. Again, a lot of the stuff that I did when I was younger was there is one that I might come back to someday that's very fantasy whatever stuff, but um, yeah, not so much recently. I've been doing more real-life related shenanigans. Yeah, I feel like you and me, Hannah, are like very like cut from a similar cloth with our writing. I feel like we're both very like realistic fiction folks. Yeah, it goes really far <laughs> in one direction or the other, depending on the mood, but... Yeah. I mean, I always feel like like I've let something, I've failed in some way. There's not some science fiction or fantasy elements. But, like, the one thing I can never get my head around is, like, the idea of, like, destiny or, like, a prophecy. Like, it just is like, why this one dude who is usually, like, a white cisgender dude... <laughs> I, I also wonder, but, like, when we start getting into that direction, that also makes me feel like... Um, and I, I see this discussion a lot within the context of YA, where there are certain tropes that have been super, like, whitewashed and homogenized and things like that, but that doesn't necessarily mean the trope is bad so much as it has been commandeered by a very specific majority, and that, you know, that still can be used for marginalized voices, like, kind of like princess narratives and stuff. Yeah. And how, like, it is a very white-dominated game, dominated game, but, like, that doesn't necessarily mean that, like, other folks shouldn't, like, you know, they should never be able to see themselves as princesses or queens or et cetera. Oh, no, I feel like you're at that. It's just, like, I never, I don't like the idea that it's just, like, well, it's just the one person. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, this one person is the one to save us all. I'm like, I guess, like, the, the time it was most infuriating was, um... I watched the Green Lantern movie. <laughs> oh, God, Frank. Why did you do that? Frank does this to himself, though, because we also last week went to see Bohemian Rhapsody because we said it once on the podcast that we were going to give it a shot, and it was a bonding experience, but that's all I can say about it. Yeah. Um, and Hal Jordan says at one point, you have to be chosen... And I immediately was like, go fuck yourself. Because that means, like, yeah. people who just decide to be good and do good don't matter if you're not the one chosen person. And that, like, that idea just kind of really is like, I don't like this. I do not like it at all. Yeah, you're, you're into collectivism, baby. I mean, yeah. <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Humanism all the way. Like, nothing wrong with that. But... 
speaking of collectives, the girls are in Degrassi are a great example of operating in collectives <laughs> because this B plot for better and for worse is all about operating within one. Because Terry looks at the palm, looks at the palm. She's like super freaked out, and you know doesn't really tell Paige what's going on. It's just like very like stilted. And then when Hazel approaches Terry about it, Terry reveals that Paige has no lifeline. (gasps) (laughs) I laughed because I feel like I had this conflict with myself once, like Googling palm reading in like ninth grade. I had this whenever I Google anything on WebMD. Yeah, like it's like that anxiety of like, oh no. Whatever are we gonna do? And like the thing is, it's like I'm fairly certain. I don't know if this is just me remembering this plot in Degrassi or other teen dramas. Like I feel like this plot has been done before in other programming. I, I remember the SpongeBob plot where this happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like I, I thought I remembered something also with like Pomeroy. Once again, I this might just be that I watched Degrassi as a kid and I just remember it. But like I don't know. I. <laughs> This plot's always so damn goofy to me that it's, like, so goofy that I don't even hate it. That's how I feel about these damn plots. But, um... So, like, Terry's really apprehensive to tell Paige this. Paige literally threatens to claw her. Which, like, Paige is back. In case anyone was wondering where Paige was, she's back. And Terry says, just straight up, is like, you have no lifeline, so you're gonna die. (laughs) to like so like we start off this plot with this dark dark situation um I don't know it's so goofy this type of shit is so goofy but there's a part of me that's glad the girls have a goofy plot after like how heavy some of the girls plots get like I know Frank we were talking a bit about this how like the girls basically aren't allowed to have fun a lot of the time. They get a lot of really heavy consequences their way. And meanwhile, the boys can just run around and be buffoons. So it's kind of nice to see the girls have a stupid plot. Yeah. Like, that's how I feel about this type of thing. Like, are there issues in it? Absolutely. Like, we have to also look at, like, you know, the fact that you have Terry, who's kind of the the one in the middle of it and everything. And we can, we can definitely analyze that, but... There is a part of me that's kind of glad that the girls just have a dumb plot. Yeah. It's just, like... I, I don't know. Like, I, like, yeah, I'm enjoying this, but I also just kind of wish the girls would just get an episode where they just get to cut loose. Yeah. Like, there's just, like, a big girl party or something. I agree. I would love to see just, like, a, a sleepover. I'm like, that's, that's all the plot is. It's just... Them having a sleepover and listening to music and recording, like, bad music videos of themselves. I would really like an episode with, like, I think I said this before, but maybe not with, like, just Paige, but, like, an episode of Babysitting Adventures of Angie. Oh, that would be really cute, yeah. Like, it would be nice to see more of that type of stuff. And I actually feel like the girls are characterized well enough that, like, you could totally tell an episode about that and it's engaging because these girls are actually very, like, fully realized. Yeah. So, but whatever, I don't write the show as much as I wish I did. But um, the next time we see the scene, unless, is, does anyone have anything else to add about this setup? Hannah, do you have anything else you would like to add? 
Yeah, I had with the subplot as someone who doesn't know the characters convinced almost up until the end that Carrie was just completely trolling Paige. I thought she had like freaked out, was just like trying to freak Paige out. But that's not what had happened. That would have been funny as fuck though. That it was going the other way. Yeah. I mean, the thing about Terry is that she, so she was, like, re like, she still has this part of her that's very, like, agreeable. Like, you know, just, like, really wants to, like, make people happy. Like, she's very much still a people pleaser. She was way more of a pushover in the past, but also her, I feel like her relationship, I think as a, a uh, person who's been watching the series, as much as I think that plot would have been funny as hell that she was trolling, I think that... Her relationship, like, she looks up to Paige to a certain extent, to a point that I just don't think she would do that to her. Um, but also that would have been very entertaining, I think, in a different way. Yeah. But, unfortunately, that wasn't the case in this one. This was, sincerely, I think you're going to die. And, like, and also, I mean, in this very beginning episode, where, like, I just kind of realized, like, man, these teachers in Degrassi just are just really fast with the, de the detentions. Oh, yeah. Constantly. Yeah. Like, it's like, do none of you have anything to do after school that, like, you have to hang out with these kids? Right? I hated having kids in detention. It was always so annoying, because that's always, like, the day that I would be like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut out early. I'm going to leave early. I'm going to go home in a reputable hour. And, like, then it was like, oh, this kid does this thing. It's like, damn it. Like, you don't want to. Because, like, all, even if you're cleaning up the room, you still have this kid glowering in here, hating your damn guts. Like, no way. Yeah. So. Detentions at my school growing up were always during, like, recess. That's reasonable. a thing in high school. The idea of staying after school to do detention is kind of foreign to me. I don't know if that was just, like, the school system I was in. Yeah, I mean, I, at, when, at the schools that I've worked at, there's been variations. It also depended on, like, so, like, there would be different types of detention, right? There's, like, your teacher-specific in, in, within the classroom, this is my punishment to you, detention. So that really wasn't you know, oversee that wasn't seen by, like, the admin staff a lot of the time. That was just the teacher going, oh, you were talking in class, that pissed me off, okay, you have a detention. There were, like, administration seen detentions, but, like, those detentions, like, that's where you would see, like, lunch detention, because that would be actually, like, a, like, it would be, like, a, um, it would be, like, a duty that some teachers would have to do, because, like, you know, there's hall duty and, like, you know, monitoring bathrooms or things like that. Like, like, a lot of teachers have those types of things, and, like, a common one is also just, like, lunch duty, where you spend the period sitting in the room making sure the kids aren't, like, making a ruckus or anything like that. But once again, that's implemented by, like, the vice principal, and they're given a slip and all this type of formal, formal stuff. So it, it really depends, and it also depends on the school. So I don't, you know, that is definitely, like, a valid way 
that you experience, Hannah, and it just it just depends on the school, in my experience. We had the uh, we had the in school suspension closet of like you know kids who were just constantly in there. Yeah, yeah. I I did um, in school suspension duty at the last teaching gig that I had, and it was horrible because it's just me in this tiny room with these kids and a lot of the time it would be the same kids and it would just be like why are you here again like I don't want to see you here ever again <laughs> I want to see you in the halls sure I like I'm not going to be mean to you I'm never mean to any of those kids but like I really don't want to see you in this specific seat in this windowless room ever again yeah but you know, it's just the way it is sometimes, unfortunately, because punishments are done with horrible bias in school. Oh, yes. And life. And life, indeed. <laughs> but, um, so, the next time we see see this plot, Hazel is, like, looking up palm reading stuff, and just as, like, kind of like, hey, Terry, you... Nope. Nope. Sorry, just one more thing. How nice is it, though, to see Paige back on the grift? Oh, yeah. Like, that's the thing. It's like, is Paige right in this episode? No. no. Is it nice to see this very vintage type of Paige, which is still being, like, conniving and, on the, like, you know, grifting and all that type of stuff? She's on that hustle. I know. I'm just back like, on the hustle. Oh, uh, she's, she's been through so much, but she's still, she's still got it. Yeah. Still got it. But, um, so the next time we see them, Hazel is, like, looking up stuff about palm reading. Um, and she's, like, trying to bring up that Terry Terry's read was wrong. Um, and, like, is talking to Paige about it and everything. And it's, like, you know, like, Paige is kind of rattled by it at first. Like, she's, like, oh, God, like, what's going on here? And Hazel's, like, she didn't even read the right hand. Like... <laughs> Paige is like, I've already made it my will. You get all my scrunchies. Hazel does a quiet, like, yes. And then they move on. Yeah, right? It's just like one of those things where she's like, she's like, you're not dying. Like, I, like that's not what it means. Um, however, like, you know, in the process of Hazel trying to bring this up, Terry comes in. She has, like, flowers. They're, like, mostly baby's breath, I noticed, in that bouquet. Um, and, like, in that moment, Paige is just like, oh, I'm going to milk this for all it's worth. And, like, is this where, oh, no, this is not where she tries to get her to do her schoolwork. That's a different part. But, like, Paige, the glimmer appears in Paige's eye. And in my notes, I wrote, Queen Paige is back, baby. <laughs> She's like, I get on that hustle. She's like, oh, I did not plan this grift. But it's always nice when something falls in your lap. Right. Um, I feel like we've seen a grift like that earlier today. And not earlier today. Earlier in this viewing. Oh, yeah. Ooh. I, I think it was like the dance, the dance off. Where Paige was like, didn't really benefit, but she was still Oh yeah, she just materializes whoever won, basically. She was going to go to the hockey game. Why? <laughs> Why not? Um, but this does make me curious because we, we have a big old bias here at I Hope Pod, and I do want to ask Hannah, like, where was your head at as this plot was playing out? 
yeah, I am coming into this with my own bias, which is that I exception hate like queen bee characters that's fine so my like my immediate reaction is like oh this page girl is my least favorite like i've only met four characters so far but i do not like this one but yeah that's just my like i don't like people who of or like a random non-specific example the like a chubby white girl who's bad at reading social cues because i definitely don't project on that at all uh, <laughs> so reaction to that whole interaction is a little fantastic. I can appreciate it as um, a TV plot, but I, I don't appreciate it as an action. Yeah, I think that's like what I think that also kind of dilutes how I ultimately feel about Paige, at least this variation of Paige, because she is a character who grows and changes, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera, but I feel like at the end of the day, like, I don't approve of what Paige does. Like, her, her hustle is is not a good thing that people should do in reality. But at the end of the day, I feel like she's very fun TV. But I totally respect if people don't care that she's good TV. You know what I mean? Like, I totally respect if somebody's like, you know what? I don't give a shit because, like, I I see the other side of this. And I think that also speaks to, like, what Degrassi is trying to do, right? It's trying to show you an ensemble. And while we may rag on some of the characters and we may not always love how they're written, et cetera, et cetera, at the end of the day, there is something to be said about how it tries to show you many different perspectives. And in the process, maybe along the way, you find somebody who has similar experiences to you or, or at the very least is somebody that you can, you're sympathetic to as a viewer. Yeah, I mean, Hannah, like, you're actually the first person to come on this podcast and not instantly fall in love with her. Oh, it's my Canadian-ness showing, I guess. <laughs> That's true. But, like... Or polite, or whatever. The yeah, may- maybe we're all just asshole <laughs> Americans. We're all just like, we love Paige, she's like us. But the thing is that this is also one of the... This is also an episode... Where Paige doesn't have, like, the redeeming quality she shows in some other episodes. That's true. So I also fully understand, like, the, this read you're taking on her, Hannah. Yeah, it's it's interesting because it's, like, she she is very much, like, she's looking out for herself and things like that. She does have a tendency of doing things that aren't fully irredeemable. Like, a lot of her plots, I feel like she does something. Like, for example, her scheming within the context of this group a lot of the time, actually tried to find ways to sincerely empower Terry at times, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you have, like, some of these, like, the band, the whole entire thing the last time they dabbled in witchcraft. Um, At the end of the day was Paige trying to be like, hey, Terry, you don't have to hide in Ashley's, like, shadow. You, You got your own talent and you can stand on your own. And, like, that made the scheme of that episode, like, easier to get behind, because at the end of the day, Paige had no ill will toward Terry, and actually wanted to see Terry shine. Yeah. Here, we're not getting that. We are getting her just seeing an opportunity open up, and her being like, hmm, why the fuck not? What do I have to lose? And, and, I'm not, I forget how many episodes before this, there's an episode where... Um, 
Terry is part of a plus-size modeling campaign, and she's making bank, and, like, she wants to quit, though, because, like, there's a bunch of people trying to body shame her. Meanwhile, Paige and Hazer are just like, that's dumb, do not quit, like, you're beautiful, like, everybody else is dumb and wrong. Yeah. So, but I do, I don't want to talk you out of your feelings, because, like, you know, that's how you felt when you saw this character, I'm like, that's valid. Yeah. So. Yeah. Like, we're, it's just interesting, because this plot does take a more... More like how the boy plots usually go. I feel like I feel like the boys don't don't usually show any soft sides to them. They're just I mean it's nasty. As, it's as dumb as a boy like that. This grift is as dumb as a boy grift. Yeah, yeah. It is. It is very much like the boy grifts we have <laughs> I, seen. I would put this on level of Spinner trying to like in same level of Spinner trying to induce a fever, where he runs <laughs> past the teacher he's trying to convince four times. <laughs> His wallet chain jangling all the way. Oh my god! Yeah, it, it, there's there's this like very season one vibe this whole episode. Yeah, which I enjoy in a way, but also it is very funny, especially when you stack it up against some of these other episodes this season, which were incredibly like heavy, and then you have like this. So it's interesting. Um, so the next time that we see them. Um, Paige is, like, in full, like, dramatics. Like, she is totally milking this situation. Terry is, like, trying to console her, and, like, Paige is, like, fake sobbing while making direct eye contact with Hazel the whole <laughs> damn time. And, like, Terry's like, there, there, and Paige is just like, oh, it's so awful! Looking at Paige, looking at Hazel, like, hey... <laughs> Can you believe this shit? And, like, Hazel is not not saving the day. She's just, like, locking eyes and, like, watching the chaos unfold. Um, and, of course, Paige sees an opportunity here where she's like, Oh, you know, I've been so stressed out about dying. I haven't done my book report. Which, like... Mood. <laughs> And the worst part is Terry's like, oh, I'll help you. Oh, no. Yeah. I mean, book reports are very important. Yeah, so even if you're dying. Even if you're dying, you still gotta get it done. <laughs> is it? No, never mind. Not yet. Um, you know, because we really need to... Miss Kwan won't accept I'm dying based on a false palm reading as an excuse to not do a book report. Right? Oh, it's also like, I want to believe at that age I would have been smart enough to be like, but why do you need your book report done if you're going to die? But, like, there's a part of me that also knows that I would be in Terry's situation and totally like, oh, no, I'll help you. I think she says something like, I want to have fun with what little time I have left or something along those lines. Yeah. Right? Like, did y'all ever do work for somebody else? Be honest. Nope. The, clo the closest I came to um, was there was this kid in my geometry class, and he kept, I might have told this story before, he kept gleeking on me. Um, is that a phrase I need to explain? 
Yes, please. It's when you spit through, like, kind of like the gap between your two teeth. And he was just, like, like the geometry teacher hated him. He was repeating a year. He was kind of like Spinner. Okay. Um, Yeah, this sounds familiar. And I was, I mean, I was super depressed in high school. Yeah. Yeah. And but I ran I ran with this really stupid like um, motto that like even if somebody hates you you have to help them. I have thus adjusted that to some people deserve to be helped. Other people can make it on their own. <laughs> Valid. So, um. So anyway, I was just like eventually I was just like, hey, just pull your disc over to mine. I know what we're, I'm doing. I can help you with this. And, like, I helped him, and I got him through, like, the class of C, and then he was just like, I don't understand why you would do that. I was like, that's what I do. (laughs) Like, he's like, I was basically spitting on you. I made fun of you. Why did you do this? Like, it's what I do. And his mom, like, when I ran into her working at my job at the pharmacy, she'd still thank me. I was like, all right, cool. (laughs) Glad to be of service. Huh. So... Wow. So, yeah. You're made of strong stuff. Shmeh. I mean... Oh, excuse me. Thank you for the compliment. But it's... I don't know. I, I saw one Tumblr post where somebody was just like, I don't understand why we live in a world of, of laws. And somebody else responded, because being mean makes me feel bad. And I'm like, yeah, same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't like being mean. So join it. So, the only people I mean to are the characters in my book. (laughs) How about you, Hannah? Am I mean to the characters in my books? (laughs) I mean, I I think the answer is yes. But, uh, you ever, you ever do help anybody with work perhaps a little more than you should have? I don't think so. Um... I was very much a keener and still to this day rules, any rules at all. So it's like, oh no, like you have to do your own work. Like I can't do your work. You have to do your own work. I'm going to get in trouble. If we do a test, like don't try to look at my homework. We're going to get in trouble. And I do not want to get in trouble because that is scary. And I need to be smart because have to be the smart kid, right? I had to do my work and nobody else's work. It was a very uh, black and white kind of mindset, but it was, yeah, it did keep me from anybody's homework. I mean, it's not a bad approach, though. And, like, I try to tell kids that, like, look, even if you help someone, technically, like, you're in trouble, too. Yeah. Like, you are totally able to get in a lot of trouble because you were the one who was like, oh, yeah, sure, here are my answers, or oh, yeah, sure, here is my paper. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I wish, and this is something that I think that it's just something that we collectively in the education system need to work on, but, like, we really got to make sure we actually give consequences to the kids who help because I feel like the kid who who, uh, gets caught is, like, you know, the one plagiarizes or whatever, like, sure, okay, that kid gets punished, but, like, then the other kid, like, they're like, oh, well, they're a good kid. It's 
It's like, no, they weren't a good kid because they just helped that kid plagiarize. So, not so good. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, Hannah. You used a phrase I didn't quite understand. An Akina? <laughs> Did I hear that correctly? Uh, you cut out. Sorry, what was the question? You, you, you called yourself something that and I didn't quite catch the phrase. I said I was a keener. I don't know. A keener? I've not heard that word in so long. I've never heard that word. <laughs> really? I think that's a pretty Canadian thing, actually. Who? Okay, Would you mind? Yeah, like, a way to explain slang without more slang. <laughs> Somebody who is, like, really pet, I guess. Um, not necessarily in a way of, like, sucking up to the teacher, but if it's, like, who would, uh, say that the teacher forgot to collect your homework and make all of your classmates hate you. Just, like, somebody who really wants to, like, do what the teacher says because the teacher said to do it. Oh. Liberty, yeah. Liberty Van Zandt. Yeah, she's a keener. I say, I relate to Liberty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's, she's a big old keener. Okay. Yeah, never heard of that before. Oh. Did... Okay. Well, well, now I am, I do want to like, I, this isn't a linguistics podcast, but I do want to jump down the rabbit hole of what other Canadian slang do I not know? I feel like we'll find out more. So. I mean, I wouldn't know if you don't know it. I'm sure we'll find some more over time the more we talk. Like, we've, we found that, so I'm sure. Yeah. And that was only, like, 30 minutes in, so we'll get there. Yeah. I'll do my best to cover this podcast with as many Canadianisms as I can think of. Oh, please do. <laughs> All right. I just imagine it's just, like, somebody writing, like, an English character, and they're just like, bloody awful, chitty chip chip the queen. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I do have a Tim Hortons down the street there, so I could go and get a double-double after this podcast done. Oh, boy. Oh, <laughs> baby. Please do. <laughs> In our honor. We, there's a Tim Hortons near where I grew up now, and I was like, this is the best invasion ever. I, I've only <laughs> ever known the one in Penn Station, but I also see it every day. Yeah. So... Whatever, I, because I did not ask, I did not answer the question. Nobody held me accountable, but I'm gonna hold myself accountable. I helped with a paper once for a cute boy. I regretted it immediately because I learned a valuable lesson through it, which is cute boys will manipulate you and manipulate how you feel about them to have them do your dirty work. So that is my my lesson that I learned senior year of high school. Never got properly compensated for it. Forever really bitter about it. I hope he's doing well, but also fuck you. Yes. So, that, other than that, though, which was a moment of weakness for many reasons, other than that, I, I feel like I would have fallen in the keener camp of do your own damn work. It's not my job. Maybe I will edit. Why are you crying after I edited this? <laughs> but, like, for the most part, that was a different ordeal. Um, I read a lot of college essays, 
and it didn't end well for me with some of my friendships. Anyway, not the point. And we, we're all guilty of doing something for the person we find attractive that we don't have, a, like, that we're probably not going to end up dating after we do the thing. Yeah, it was, like, the, really, like, the only time I ever did it. I've done it several times. The worst time was when I went to a Guar concert. Oh, God. And some of that paint got on my skin and messed up my digestive tract. What? <laughs> I'm not going to get into details, but... Holy shit. Yeah. I did not know that was a thing that could even happen. Yep. <gasps> you don't have to say any more, but... That is probably the wildest twist that I've ever heard of of a story like that. Wow. Expecting a 10 like that. Sorry? Expecting it to end that way. No. I just... What the fuck? Anyway, um... Neither here nor there. Um, the next time we see this plot kick in, Terry is emailing Paige the book report. Um, and she looks like a hot fucking mess. She has this gigantic, sad zit on her forehead that, like, you know when you look at something and you're hyper aware of how makeup, like, special effects makeup did it? Like, that's what it was like looking at that zit. Like, it just kind of looked like a big skin tag. Like, it didn't really look right. But, like, whatever. I get it. Anyway, she's like, oh, yeah, here's a giant zit. I get these from stress. Um, and she also reveals that she didn't do her own report so she did pages check didn't do her own and her reasoning behind it was like well it's only like 10 percent of the grade which i think meant 10 percent knocked off of the grave grade but like no matter what like still bad not good not yeah. good at all it was rough you gotta really hope 20 percent of that teaching staff is in a good mood when they grade your paper right well, that's like, that's the, yeah, it, it was rough. It, it was a very, very sad, sad thing. You could see how, how much this has hardened her, uh, how much is this is, you know, weighed on her. It's like whenever I send query letters, I'm like, oh man, I hope this Asian had a good breakfast or lunch. Right? Oh my God. Me submitting anything. It's like, I really hope your day is going well and this, this email finds you in a good mood. But that's not happening to Terry right now. And, like, every, you know, the girls are kind of looking and are a little bit like, ooh, that's not good. But also, like, they're not going to say anything and ruin the whole grift. It's, it's one of those things where it's like, <laughs> I'm vaguely aware that my actions have consequences. However, I still benefit from this far too much for me to possibly do anything. There, there should be a scene with Hazel and Paige. And, like, Hazel's like, I don't know, I think we should tell her. And Paige is like, don't get chicken shit on me now! But, like, I feel, yeah, I feel like that basically happened off screen at some point. <laughs> Where, because, like, that's the thing, it's like, Hazel is like, oh, Hazel. She's just like, you can tell she knows this is wrong, like, at every turn. And yet, we never get a scene of her having a conversation with Paige. It's like, maybe, maybe we shouldn't go this far, maybe... Maybe we're kind of being assholes, but, like, oh, it's painful. It's just such a stupid little plot with girls acting very foolishly. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just one of those things. So, like, Terry then goes to, you know, the place where all girls get frustrated and upset, the floor. Um, because she is, like, her palm pilot, which, by the way, 
I have not seen a Palm Pilot or thought about a Palm Pilot in years. I forgot they were even a concept. Okay, this is a dumb question. And I don't know if anybody on this podcast right now can answer this. Could you make calls on a Palm Pilot? No idea. I don't think so. Then that's a cell phone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing about Palm Pilots was I knew that they existed. I understood they had a touchpad thing and, like, a little stylus. But, like, the only Palm Pilot I had repeated interaction with was in my family's computer room. And, like, it was never opened. Like, my parents got it somehow. I don't know how. And, like, neither of them ever used it. My dad, like, as far as I know to this day, still doesn't use, like, a cell phone on a regular basis. My mother, like, may have gotten it on the pretense of her being organized with it, but, like, never used it. I I don't know. So, like, I never actually saw it out of the box. But I know what it is. I know what it looks like. I just don't really know how the technology fulfilled, like, anything, really. I'm not seeing anything here that says they could use, um, they could be used to make phone calls. Okay, so... Just that they were super expensive. Yeah. It, um, whenever I think of Palm Pilots, I always think of, uh, one of my favorite moments from The Simpsons, where... One of the bullies turns to the other and just says, Hey, Jimbo, take a note on your Newton. Beat up Martin. And, like, he, like, writes it in and just turns to eat up Marfa. And then he, like, the other bully throws the Palm Pilot at Martin. (laughs) Nice. Well, I think we fulfilled, like, the uh, podcast bingo board trope of mentioning The Simpsons. We did it. I think we've done it before, but... I actually found Degrassi Bingo... Like, online, but there was a lot of slut-shaming ones in there. Are you that, are you surprised, though, Frank? No, I'm not surprised, but I am disappointed. That doesn't surprise me at all. At all. But, um, I'll have to make our own. But, um, yeah, so, Terry's on the floor, she's punching things into her Palm Pilot. Um, Ashley approaches her. Because this is her lair, the floor of the lockers. This, this is this is where Ashley Ashley resides. Because <laughs> Hannah, this is where like she has been in many a scene. Like she, there's like extended moments where she's just like frustrated, flops on the floor, and like deals with her shit. Like so, she she sees Terry in her space, and she joins her. <laughs> Ashley has made like, you know, has made a, like the floors. Whatever. I was gonna make a joke about how like she's made a literally made a spot for herself. She sat down there so many times. <laughs> like yes, I know what you're saying. Yeah, like a comfy chair. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like one of those ones where like the uh, like it has like the back support and the arms. It doesn't really have the bottom part. Like, yeah. Yeah, one of those. Um, and she goes over to her and she says that you know she sees Terry. Terry's like, oh, I'm just trying to like you know reorganize myself and figure out how I'm gonna get everything done. Because I'm pretty sure that's what Palm Pilots were meant for. Just glorified agendas. Um, And Ashley is just like, well, you're going to want to kill someone already technically dying. Which brought me to this moment. What Was Ashley in a scene clearly overhearing Paige finding out she wasn't dying? Was it in the computer room? Well, like... um, I'm sorry? 
She was um, library or wherever they were. Okay, so she was in there. I figured that was the case, but like I also, as I revealed, I don't watch these episodes twice. I never thought to go back to that scene and try and look for her. Yeah, there's certain episodes. Yes, I did that a couple hours ago. I appreciate it. This is why it takes a village of three people at least to get through these episodes. <laughs> I was like re-listening to like one of the older ones and I'm like, yeah, Donnie and I, like, we have a rapport, but it definitely works better with Ray. Yeah, like, I don't even know what it is. Like, I, I love you, Frank, but like, it always is nice to have another voice because... Yeah. It just, it's just nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I guess Ashley was there. Uh, thank you for helping me with that everybody and she just says that and then the scene ends so the next time we see anything happen um it's hazel going up to Paige, and like i think this is really why hazel and Paige never had a scene that they were like hazel's like well i don't know because hazel's like oh we can hang out because you got free time <laughs> and like it's really a shame that hazel Never really got more A plots outside of the cultural day plot because I would actually, I know, it's dark. I would love to see Hazel further developed as this, like, this, like, two sides of the same coin kind of situation between her and Paige. Because, like, it's very interesting how they, like, have a lot of similarities and I wouldn't say that they're copy-paste of each other. Like, they clearly have different interests and different thresholds and different experiences, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But it's really funny to see how easily the two of them will, like, give in to each other's shenanigans because they both benefit from it. And it would have been fun to see more of these types of plots done from Hazel's perspective. And, like... It's just a shame that Degrassi, as we know, has intense bias against their black characters and black cast, so we will never get to see Hazel's side of a lot of these types of plots. It would have been cool if Hazel was just, like, sometimes the more dastardly member. Like, Paige... Like, when, um... Hazel goes after Faru uh, Farisa mm-hmm. and Culture Day, like, Paige has to, like, bring her back and, like, that's too far. Yeah. Like, it would have been nice if, like, Hazel did, like, start learning the griff, but kind of took it too far and Paige had to, like, work against her. Though, that would also not be... No, that would also not be the best. No, no. There's too much of, like, a deeper implication of your darker-skinned character being the more conniving one. Okay, so let's drop that bad idea. A good idea. Hazel's better at the griffs than Paige is. <laughs> and then Paige, like, it becomes like a... Com- it, oh my god, it becomes, um... Uh, the Prestige. <laughs> I love it. you're like it's because of the prestige but like the griffs are like fucking like f- 
faking palm reading, like, results and, like... But, see, that's where it starts. Making boys, like, pay for shit. Like... <laughs> that, that's where it starts. By, like, senior year, like, there's, like, this new... Like, there's this new girl there that nobody's ever seen before, and then just Paige pulls off a mask, and then, like, like Mr. Simpson's like, oh my god, and then he pulls off a mask, and it's Hazel. <laughs> and Emma's just like, that's confusing. Where's my actual dad? <laughs> like... <laughs> It's just like, is is Spike Spike? And Spike pulls off a mask and it's Terry. Yeah, I was gonna say it's Terry. It <laughs> has like, to be Terry. But who's Terry? Terry pulls off her mask and it's Spinner. Oh my god. <laughs> Frank, how did you know the way the series ends? You can't do that. How are we supposed to get through this whole entire podcast if you already know how the series ends? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we have to start small because right now Hazel's like, hey Paige, you got free time. Let's go hang out. And then Jimmy pulls off a mask and he's Emma. And Emma's like, but I know I'm me! Am I? No, I'm me! What is going on? <laughs> wow. Frank, how did you know? There's no point in this podcast anymore. Hannah, you can go, you can go, go to sleep now. We're, we're all done here. Frank's now becoming the veteran. Yeah, it was a really good time. It's over. Oh my god. God, I love the prestige. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, so... Hey, so, like, Hazel and Paige are like, oh, we're free, let's go. And they, like, walk in on, uh, well, they're outside, they, like, whatever. They go, and they go to the benches area, like, the, and they see Terry and Ashley. And, okay, Frank, you call it a Ouija board. I, Ouija, Ouija? Wh what is the pronunciation here? I've heard many, for, like, I mean, it for me, it looks like Ouija board, but I've heard Ouija board. And on a very confused Yahoo Answer video, like it's just a video oh my of God. a Luigi board. Yeah. <laughs> I I did not I did not fuck with these. Once I found one on in like a garbage bin on the side of the road, and my friends said I couldn't grab it. So, I had to leave it. I'm giving a lot of, like, I feel like all I'm speaking to you right now is a very specific North Jersey, like, suburban experience this episode. Like, sorry, y'all. Like, this was, this this spoke to me on a level that I, I don't expect anyone else to understand. Um, but, yeah, anyway, so they're with the board, and Ashley, like stomps off like it's like really dramatic it's it's really funny in like this very like teenager like trying to one-up each other kind of way and like ashley like stomps off and terry's like you know demands that that page like sits there and she's like just watch like don't do anything just watch <laughs> and like 
uses it to like call Paige out on her shit and <laughs> like you know does a lot of those like forceful pulling the little like uh reader thing to like like you know Paige are you lying yes <laughs> like like all that type of stuff it's like did you know that you were not dying yes <laughs> and it's just like in this like so, I think what I like about this plot is, like, there's something to it where, yeah, it's, like, television and things are dramatized, but it's done in a way that's so, like, in that cattiness that teenage girls can do so well. And, like, it made me appreciate it because, obviously, like, you know, you shouldn't always have that and, you know, girls should not always be associated with those those things. But at the end of the day, when you get pissed off at your friends, especially when you're a teenager you do shit like this. Like, you make them sit in front of a Ouija board and you passive-aggressively address your issues by forcing them to, like, watch you answer these yes or no questions. Like, that's just how teenage girls do it sometimes. And there's something, like, real about it in the process of it being absolutely ridiculous. Sometimes you just want that delicious moment. It's true. And, and... It's interesting because I feel like a lot of Terry's plots kind of boil down to this, where she has this moment that's, like, very over the top. And it's interesting because I feel like Terry never comes to this conclusion, but rather it is something that is she wants, but usually needs somebody else to help her get there, whether it's Paige or whether it's Ashley. At least in the two examples I'm really thinking of. Like, she wants to do the dramatic shit, but, like, she needs somebody to help her get to that point. But once she does, she does own it. It's it's interesting. Like, I, I feel like the writers really don't think about what they're doing with Terry. I feel like I know the, that they don't. But at the same time, I feel like there's a lot of potential there as a character who maybe is more introverted but wants to be... Maybe not the queen bee, but be a more fully realized version of herself. It's a shame that the plots never really connect in that sense because i feel like they come to a similar conclusion without actually looking at it as intentional character growth yeah my favorite part with that scene was i finally get my uh troll terry yep with is it true or something along those lines and like Paige smirks like she's getting away from so or getting away with something and then terry drops it like is it true that you've been scamming me to do your homework or something and it was like yeah you go girl get her <laughs> i was so pleased yeah it's like a very silly resolution but also it's like this like it just hits this this feeling that's just very real that i really appreciated about the whole thing it's just and it's just like you know it kind of just devolves to like them being like i'm gonna kill you ah! like that kind of like silly kind of conflict resolution that once again I feel like is very of the age group so like it's it's not solving the world's ills and it's not teaching you necessarily about bad shit in the world that a lot of these girls have gone through recently with some of their plots it's just silly shenanigans that teenage girls get into and it's kind of nice while there's obviously issues with it it's still nice to see at the like have them do this type of stuff and not go through super traumatic experiences in the process. Um, one of the most important lessons I learned from Pixar, of all places, was that, like, the importance of other emotions other than, like, d- 
depression or like sadness mm-hmm. where like they're talking about just like happiness has a place and that can just be such a stirring thing to see. So like, yeah, like I'm sure, you know, Shout and Careless Whisper and all these episodes are probably very important, very well known. And this is probably one of the lesser well-known episodes, but I feel like it does give a very important lesson of, like, you can just have fun sometimes. You can, like, play prank, because this is essentially a prank. Yeah, it's a prank plot. Yeah, and, like, you know, showing girls you're allowed to do this, and it's okay. Like, and Paige... I forget, does, like, Paige run away from Terry? Oh, she runs. Like, they, they're they doing, like, a chase. It's, like, a very playful, like, silly little chase off at the end of it. Like, the end result, like, we don't have to, you know, have a, always have a sad girl, like, freeze frame. Like Yeah, yeah, like, they don't have to stare sad at the camera as they're crying type deal. Like, sometimes, like... You and your friends get into really, like, you do some mean stuff to each other, and you get called out on it, and you just chase each other because that's the way you're gonna resolve this conflict. Yeah. So. So, yeah. No, I feel like that, at least, was a good thing to see. Yeah. It was just, like, girls having fun. Yeah. They actually had more fun in this episode than in Girls Wanna Have Fun. True. That is very true. Um, Hannah, do you have any other closing thoughts about the B-plot? Uh, I think we pretty much covered it. Okay. We ready to tackle the A-plot? Let's go. Woo! Oh, yes. All right, so um, Degrassi is going to have floor hockey, which I'm in favor of. I love floor hockey, and my kids also love floor hockey. Like, it's so popular with middle schoolers, and, like... It's a delight. I, like, love watching my kids play floor hockey because, like, they just love the sport so much. Um, so they're doing a tryout. Liberty is trying out. And she's just not good. She's just... She's just flubbing it. And But, like, you know what? She's there. She's trying. Yeah. And that means something. Yeah. Because, especially with Liberty, um, we've seen her not want to do things because she's not good at it. We've seen her feel that way about sewing and stuff like that. Or, like, you know, she had a meltdown. Not really a meltdown. I feel like that discredits her her anxiety. But, like, she had a lot of issues about having a learning disability because then that meant that she wasn't able to get a math score that she really wanted. Like, we've seen her have a lot of issues with failure. Yeah. And her fear of failure. And we've seen her grow quite a bit over the series. And I don't think she gets enough cre- I know she doesn't get enough credit. Because, like, the more I read about Degrassi fandom, the more I see how much people hated her. Like, I found a recap about this episode. And I got really upset. Because, like, I clicked on it because I just was, like, I was sending Hannah, like, brief summaries of what the A-plot and the B-plot were. So she knew what she was getting into. And I clicked on this recap, and it was literally, like, something, like, the the person writing it was, like, I saw the shot of Liberty, and I just gagged because I knew it was going to be a Liberty plot. And I was just like, what the hell? Like, what is wrong with you? Because, like, I always, I, I like, Liberty was 
a character I quite liked when I was growing up. I enjoyed Liberty a lot as a character. Like, she wasn't my top tier spot. I think it's very obvious my top tier characters were Marco and Ellie for very, you know, reasons I've already spoken about on the show. But I would say Liberty was in my top five. Like, she was up there. I really enjoyed her as a character. And in many ways, I guess I'm glad I wasn't really in the fandom because, like, I feel like I would have been a kid who would have been really defensive and really upset. And I wouldn't have understood why she got so much hatred, which would have just put me in a really bad place, honestly. But, like, it's interesting how that feeling still holds over in in terms of, like, how the fandom felt about her, but also in how, like, a lot of people still talk about the series. They talk about it with such ill regard toward her. Um, anyway, looking at it in this critical eye on this podcast, like, I, I appreciate that this is the plot that she's getting into because, like, she's not doing great. She's not really playing in a way that works for a tryout and doesn't work really for the team. Um, and, you know, she's still, like, very bright-eyed about it and looks at it as, like, well, I can learn. And as the girls are leaving from the tryout, Hasselakos, who is the coach, is straight up with her and is like, look, like, you have cu- you have heart, but I have to cut you. Um, and then... Liberty says, like, well, she's never, like, I've never lost before. And it goes back to that fear of failure and goes back to that idea that maybe I don't succeed. And Hmm. what you thinking? Well, I mean, we've seen her lose before. Yeah. She lost the science project, but... Well, that... (laughs) Are we going to say the same thing again? Well, no, I mean, she... But the thing with that is I feel like there's a difference with that situation because even though she technically lost, she knew and she knew she was right. You know what I mean? Like she lost on a on like a grade, like not a grade level, but like on a judgment level, but she knew content-wise that she knew her stuff and that she was right. I was going to say something else that in her own mind she's just like, well, Still the favoritism. Yeah, yeah. I feel like she's someone who would still consider that a win because she knew technically that she did the best and she actually did yeah. the work. In in this context, it's a clear-cut loss. Like, it, even if she did her best, she still didn't do it great. Yeah. She can't blame the... Like, I don't want to say the system because that was such a real rigged system that she was in with the science project yeah but in this situation like she can't blame some sort of failure of the system she just straight up isn't good so she got cut and this is like a real loss for her a real concrete she can't it's not even like oh she screwed up on a sewing project but she can do better like no this is a this is failure this is it you don't get a redemption route when it's a tryout you don't get a call back you're gone you're done yeah. Um, and Hasselakos tries to reason with her and is like, well, you know what? You can be a team manager. <laughs> Which, okay. At least you didn't follow up with the words that would damn this whole enterprise of just like Spinner. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, she's going to be team manager. The list is revealed. Um, and, you know, Manny makes the team, Emma and Kendra are super excited and, like, silly string her, like, as it hit her with silly string in case that was ambiguous in any way, shape, or form. 
um, because they're, I guess, already on the team or something like that, because their names aren't bolded. They're just on the list. I guess, yeah. like, they're not the new additions. They're, like, re, you know, re-coming back. Um, and Liberty is there, and she's just like, oh, I'm going to keep you guys in line, um, and all of that type of stuff. Segue to social studies, we meet a new teacher. Degrassi has one other teacher, this dude who teaches social studies. Who seems like a kind, gentle soul. I will not say anything. Oh, no. I'm sorry. Um... <laughs> Um, anyway, so he compliments Liberty and he, he actually says something nice here. Like, I do appreciate how he's like, you know, you always conquer what you set out to do. And, you know, he makes a weird comparison with Napoleon. I guess they're learning world history and things like that. Well, she's holding a Napoleon book. Yeah, yeah. Like, okay, fine. Like, ugh, but okay. Um... But, like, you know, it's still, like, a kind of a sweet thing to say to a kid. Especially a kid who is Liberty, who has... I'm sure he has observed her getting ganged up on in some way, shape, or form. Because Hannah... And Hannah, I'm sure you could probably pick up on this. Like, Liberty is an incredibly smart kid, but not exactly a kid who's swimming in, like, popularity here. Yeah, I noticed. But um, I don't know if you want to like share some of your initial impressions of Liberty because I know you said like you you liked her when you when you saw her. Yeah, I really like her. I appreciate how well spoken she is, which mm-hmm. a minor detail, but also like the fact that she doesn't outwardly get upset at being told like you're not on the team here's this consolation prize and instead of like being upset over the fact that she didn't make the team which was obviously her goal i have this duty now i'm going to dedicate the best at this i think that's really admirable especially at a young age to be able to like and so quickly and devote yourself to doing something better like okay i'm on the team not the way i wanted but this is the way i'm going to help and this is how i'm going to do it yeah. Really cool, and not something that I would have been able to do, um, especially at that age. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I really like Liberty. I don't know, like, it, it really bugs me knowing that there's a lot of people that put a lot of unfair hate toward this kid who was just trying to make the best out of a lot of the situations and a lot of the cards that she gets dealt. And, I don't know, I I I appreciate her. I'm glad that you like her, too, Hannah, because I feel like... We really haven't had anybody say that they don't like her that have appeared on the podcast, but also I'm realizing that the guests slash us don't necessarily reflect the opinions of what, like, the major ideas of the Degrassi fandom was, at least at the time that this epi- these shows were, this show was airing. Yeah. So, we're growing. We're trying to make, we're trying to make a wave of Liberty fans that come in now. I feel like Somebody said, like, all of us probably had a little bit of Liberty Bands Antonus when we were younger. Yes. I don't remember who said that, but I feel like that's very real, especially for the group that we've had appear on the show. I feel like it also kind of speaks to who we all were yeah. when we were growing up. Which is not a bad thing, but it's interesting how it just it goes against the green to a certain extent. Um... So, the thing about this, 
which I do find very upsetting, is Liberty's managerial duties are her doing laundry, basically. And this is like a constant thing in the episode, which never sits right to me when you have your black character doing all the team's chores. Never like that. I was never like a team manager. I don't know if this was like a real thing for kids to be expected to do. My gut says no, but I don't know. We yeah. see. I'm sorry, Hannah. I agree with that. Like, I... ...school, which, in my case, went up to grade 8, so the appropriate age range. Like, those teams had managers that, like, kept score at games, but, like, yeah. nobody had to schlep for the team. Like, you schlepped your own stuff. There wasn't one person who you dumped all of your chores on. That just seems really weird to put a, like, a young teenager in charge of doing everybody's dirty work alone. Yeah, I agree. Like, I feel like when I... I really didn't do team sports. I was in marching band and stuff like that. So, like, I was more on the music side of things. But, like, I feel like anybody that I knew that was a team manager, their responsibilities were pretty much scoreboard. Or, like, if they were in baseball, softball, they, like, did the, uh, you know, the charts with all of, like, the hits or, like, you know, if they're doubles or singles or triples, et cetera, et cetera. Like, they did all of that type of stuff. I, I never heard any of them say that they had to, like, clean equipment or clean uniforms or anything like that. I mean, we've seen um, a team manager before. We saw Spinner. Yeah. Spinner was water and towels. We never saw him doing laundry. Yeah, yeah, and, like, what annoys me about this is I feel like it was supposed to be a vehicle for the discovery that Liberty makes, which is that these uniforms are in very bad condition, and I feel like that's yeah. something she would have been able to observe on her own. Like, she didn't need to be doing their laundry to figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. It's just that ugly twofold thing of, like, when you have your, you know, your black female character doing a domestic chore for the team. Like, it... And once again, like, you know, is this a responsibility that some team managers have? Maybe. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to act like I'm an expert about this. If anybody listening to this has ever been a team manager, like, feel free to email us or, you know, tweet us about what your responsibilities included. But from my limited experience, I never heard of that. So... For now, it just looks like an ugly implication that these writers made. Um, but, so, the thing is, is that Liberty is doing laundry. She's daydreaming about, like, winning and everything. Everyone's chanting her name. She has a trophy. She's actually given the love she deserves. She realizes she's actually standing in front of the mirror of Erised. <laughs> um... And she's, like, looking, and when she goes back to reality, she's looking at the state of the uniforms, and, like, Armstrong kind of materializes. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. Um, and then we get another scene of them alone in a room together. I was so anxious. Yeah. I was so needlessly anxious. There's a whole plot, Hannah, in which, like, Armstrong is helping, she's, like, so Liberty has dyscalculia. 
Discalcula, I think. Looking up. Um, So she is like in the process of figuring that out and he's supporting her through it. And that part's okay, but the problem is, is like he he like touches her arm for very extended periods of time. Discalculia. Okay. Um, and like you know, he like touches her in a way that another student perceives as inappropriate. But like the the moral of the episode is like, oh well, he's supporting her through this learning disability and things like that. And and the other character gets in trouble for like perceiving it in this way. So he never gets called out on what he should be called out on, which is touching a student in a way that is inappropriate. So like when I see them together, I freak out. But thankfully, he keeps his distance. And they have a conversation. Liberty is like, hey, like, these uniforms suck. And Armstrong's like, well, yeah, the floor hockey team was kind of a spur-of-the-moment addition. There's not really a budget for it, which is real. Like, this is a real issue that happens in sports and in school budgets. Like, schools come in, which, by the way, doesn't really make sense why there's, like, established team members on this team, but whatever. We'll worry about that on a different level later. But, like, the point is, is, like, that is a real thing because, like, kids come in and have ideas for clubs and ideas for teams and ideas for stuff like that. And a lot of clubs have to kind of struggle the first year or two because they don't really have them factored into the budget. So so this is a real conflict to have. Once again, doesn't explain why they're senior members of the team, but does introduce a real struggle that happens in schools. And Armstrong's like, yeah, well, like, there's no budget, so of course these uniforms suck. Um, and Liberty points out how the boys' uniforms are done in a way that not only is there an appropriate budget for a lot of the boys' sports, which, once again, totally happens, um, they also have the, the boys' basketball team has their uniforms sponsored by Joey's car business. Yeah. Um... And then this is, once again, like, Liberty deals with this in a way that I, you know, I think speaks to her kind of problem-solving skills and how they might be a little more advanced than some kids, but I appreciate it. Because she goes, okay, well, I'm going to talk to Joey about it. Which, like, by the way, if I had an eighth grader tearing over to me asking me about my financials, I would be so scared. (laughs) I feel like after that, I'd be like, I need to open up like a savings account. Yeah, right. Like a second savings account. Like, like, what am I doing with my life? I gotta check in on my like 403b and make sure that I'm investing enough. Um, so admittedly, Joey doesn't back like doesn't say like I'm not gonna do that because who cares about girl sports? Joey says I've already made like a promise to the boys. Give them the money. He also points out that they're winning. Like, he also makes that distinction that not only is this a case of, like, he's budgeted already for the boys, but also he doesn't see the point in dropping the sponsorship because the boys are, like, winning and they're doing well. Yeah. So, which, once again, I think is kind of a realistic conflict to have, and I think it's why you see this bias in boys' sports all the time in the context of education because... The boys get more time to practice. The boys get more time to take classes. The boys get more time more time, to, to do so much stuff and because of it come off in a way that's perceived as quote-unquote better when really it's just they were allowed to foster their skills at a level that a lot of girls' teams just don't get to do. 
They get better coaches. They get better. We know this. Anybody who has been an athlete or has been, like, on the periphery of athletics has seen this play out. So, but it is nice to see it in such plain words for a teenage audience. That I appreciate because I think that at that age, like, Liberty is, you know, able to kind of follow this. I do think a lot of kids don't really realize some of the nitty-gritty details of it, and it's nice to see that this episode is spelling it out for you, but in a way that isn't infuriating to me. Like, it doesn't feel like infantilizing. It feels very much like, well, Liberty, you want to do this, but, like, look, like, this is the conflict here. Yeah. Like, you want to do this, but here's your hurdle here. You've got to clear this hurdle. And I feel like it, it gives a formula of sorts for teenagers to kind of understand, like, if they want to do something about this issue in their school, these are the potential potential issues you're going to run into. Yeah. Well, that's not even, like, an academic issue, right? Mm-hmm. Number Liberty gives us that 80% of the funding goes to the male teams. Um, and because I'm... Canadian and this is how I think I sort of wanted to compare that to like find on the internet so I thought this was infuriating and therefore I want to share it with the internet um I looked at the average salary for like hockey players in Canada professional hockey players mm-hmm. so like people who play on the Canadian NHL teams the average salary is about three million U.S. dollars a year people who play on the Canadian women's hockey league teams so like first of all they only started paying the players last year like they weren't even paid before 2017 oh my god and now the highest paid players make ten thousand dollars a year even an 80 percent difference the nhl players make 300 times more on average than hockey players in canada where like hockey is a big deal everybody plays hockey wow to me yeah, like, that's, it's, it's like a, whew. it's, I mean, it's a real struggle you see between the different types of leagues. I mean, you can look at that in basketball, you can look at it in any sport, really, and you can see it, but, like, I find the fact that they were not even paid until, like, very recent is extremely shocking to me. Like, not even, like, a couple bucks. Like, you know what I mean? Like, going from, like, nothing yeah, no, to... No. Ugh. Well, and if you're looking at, like, the comment that the boys' team is winning, comparison, again, because I'm Canadian and that's what we do. Mm-hmm. Like, our women's hockey teams internationally tend to perform really, really well. If you look at some of our Canadian... Uh, NHL teams, which again, not all Canadian players, but you know, fair enough comparison anyway, I hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I grew up supporting the Ottawa Senators and they're doing real bad, y'all. They're not doing well at all, but they're still making way more money than the women. Gwyn is like shaking their head in the corner because I guess some sometimes they dabble in being a hockey fan and they heard that and they were just like shaking their head like in my in our direction. Sorry, Gwen. <laughs> What'd you say, Gwen? Gwen's just like, they, they have not won in a while, I think is what they said. But, yeah, I mean... Uh, are you still a fan of them, or have you... 
Um, I'm still a fan. I'm more of a Loki fan because I haven't had a cable since I moved away from home when I was 17. So like closely as I used to. Um, I did decide this year that I was going to like do it and make sure I knew who was on my team and what was going on. And then the day after I decided that they, their captain and their best player. So that was a bad, bad oh, timing. Well. <laughs> oh, well, sports are hard to keep track of sometimes. It's understandable. Yeah. But, um, so, um, Regardless, like, this is speaking to a very real issue, and it's an issue that still exists in sports, even though this episode is, you know, older at this point. And, um, Liberty, you know, tries to have this conversation with him, and even though he's, like, not particularly, like, in, like, he's not giving her the answer that she wants, she still wants to motivate the team. So next time she sees the team, she shows this uniform design that she's come up with, um, as a way to kind of help motivate them and get them excited. And Hasselakos is frustrated by this, um, literally says, go do laundry. Which, like, thanks Hasselakos, because you have not endeared me, like, once since you've appeared on this damn show. Yeah. And, um... Yeah, like, she's basically like, you know, we gotta focus, we gotta, like, you know, she's, like, trying to be about the game. And I understand what Hasselako's role is from a storytelling perspective, but she just keeps coming off like a racist asshole. Like, whether intentionally or not, she is banishing the black girl to the laundry room. Yeah. Like, I... (sighs) Ugh. It always comes back to this. I honestly feel like sometimes, um, like, there's that one scene from Whiplash where, like, he's, the, uh, J.K. Simmons is trying to find the out-of-tune, like, trombone player or whatever, and he's just like, either you're deliberately playing out-of-tune and sabotaging my band, or you don't know you're out-of-tune, and that's even worse. Yeah, that's me with the Degrassi writers. Yeah, I feel like going to the writing room and be like, this scene. Somebody explain it to me. Did you mean it to be this racist? No one? And then I throw a chair. <laughs> yeah, like, that's how I feel about them. Because it's like, it's always this type of nonsense. Um, but luckily, like, Emma, Manny, and Kendra, like, do thank Liberty for her efforts. But as they're thanking her for the efforts, we got the chuckle fucks of Jimmy... Spinner and Sean asking why she's trying to find a way to like end their sponsorship with Joey and with the uniforms. And uh, this is where Spinner asks why should people care about girls sports except mud wrestling? I heard that line and just thought to myself, well, there's 20 minutes. Yeah, but like (laughs) he is his sister is one of the biggest fucking jocks in Degrassi. Like, no joke. Kendra does multiple sports. She's, like, super athletic. She's focused on athletics. Like, we see that she's done floor hockey. She also does soccer. Like, at least. These are just what we know. Like, she has 
been devoted to her team, devoted to her sports, and is good at it. And he has the fucking nerve to say that. Like, and I think what annoys me about this is, like, I feel like based on what we've seen of Kendra and his dynamic, like, Kendra would, like, punch him for saying that, but it doesn't happen. And, like, that's what also, like, I don't put it past Spinner to say something boneheaded, but I do expect at this point Kendra to be like, shut the fuck up, Spinner. I'm like a... Like, I'm a varsity letter athlete. <laughs> um, you know who smartly doesn't say anything? Sean. Yeah, he's just a prop, and that's how it should be. It would have been nice to see him, like, like he just glances at uh, Jimmy and Spinner and then just kind of starts sidling away from them. Yeah, right. <laughs> I feel like the scene just doesn't go in a way that it should, considering the dynamic that a lot of these characters have. Considering, like, the girls... Okay, you have Kendra. Okay, Kendra is Spinner's sister. Yeah. Emma is dating, question mark, Sean. Like, I feel like they could have done something with those two dynamics to make that confrontation have a little more heart to it than just, like, boys versus girls. Yeah. And that's where we end up. Liberty comes up with an idea where it's um, the girl, it's a big boys versus girl, winner gets the sponsorship, loser has to clean laundry for the other team for a month. And they're going to play floor hockey. Like, yeah. which is also something to keep in mind. So the boys have, in theory, a slight disadvantage by playing a sport that they don't usually play. Yeah. Uh, and when this is brought up to Hasalakos, Hasalakos is just super fucking, like, not for it. Like, she's just like, no. Yeah. Absolutely not. Um, she will not supervise, which, you know, some issues here in terms of how the fuck school functions work. But <laughs> we'll not get it. We'll... We don't need to get into that. I think we all know by now, after listening to this podcast, how I feel about this type of shit. You would need an adult, in yeah. theory, if it's a school-sanctioned event. Like, you need to have an adult in the room, or that's an insurance problem. Yeah. Um, and then... Well, yeah, so Liberty's like, I will do this. Yeah. I, I will take on this role. She will, will channel Napoleon, and um, she's going to do this in, in style. So she drops this, like, thick guide to the team. It's, like, spiral-bound and everything. <laughs> and it's just, like, this ridiculous... It looks like a manuscript. Like, it looks like somebody's, like, thesis. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she, she also starts wearing a cape and epaulets to play the part... Um, and, like, you know, she's just really power-tripping very quickly. Um, she, like, whistles at them. Manny says that she's, like, on her, you know, she's on her period, so maybe she'll sit out on practice. And Liberty just shoves a tampon toward her and is, like, you know, suck it up. And it's just, like, very quick power-tripping. But also... I can't even be mad because Liberty wants to fucking win. She wants to always succeed. And there's no adult being like, hey, Liberty, maybe you're going a little too far. Maybe we shouldn't wear the cape. 
Maybe we shouldn't just jam the printers in the office because we're we're printing out way too many copies of this player guide. Like it's a it's a mess for no no other um another word for it. Yeah. The interesting thing is point until like the end of the scene where she snaps at Manny. Like nothing she's saying is wrong. No. Like everybody's giving her shit for being right. Yeah. It's like, I mean, like, it's maybe a little bit intense for middle school level sports. Like, I get it, but she's not wrong. This is a very common thing with Liberty, where she is very typically the outsider. And as sad as it may sound, this is, like, like I feel like Liberty has only really had friends for the past six episodes. Like, she only just started hanging out with Emma and Manny as friends. Like, she was always an outsider, and even though her plots weren't explicitly like, this is Liberty and she has no fucking friends, they kind of diluted to it in a way where nobody particularly liked her, nobody really hung out with her. All of her plots, she was very isolated. It was, like, a very... It's still a very sad thing to me where Liberty ends up in these types of plots a lot where she's right. She's not doing anything wrong. However, she's not allowed to be celebrated for being right. She's always going too far. She never has, like, somebody pull her reins in. But that's also because, like, she doesn't have friends. Yeah. And it's, like, this very... It's kind of one of those things, and I feel like this is similar to um, the conflict that we had a lot with Hazel and the diversity episode, where the lesson of being taught sometimes you go too far and you need to scale it back is a very real thing that kids should learn, and it's not a bad idea in your story. But it also goes back to this of, like, why is your black character the one who has to learn this? Yeah. Why is your black character the one who has to power trip and then have to pull it back much like why is hazel the one who has to be dealing with her internalized islamophobia and then lashing out why does she have to be the one to learn that you should not do that as opposed to like one of your white characters like why are they able to get into shenanigans and maybe not do everything right but not have to learn that kind of really heavy consequence and that's kind of the issue where Liberty, like like you said, Hannah, Liberty's not wrong. Like, they should strategize. They're not a very cohesive team. They have to collaborate together and be aware of each other's strategy and things like that and maybe have formations in the process. These are all things that a coach, an actual coach, because I don't know what Hasselakos is doing other than, hey, guys, we should practice. Like, this is what a real coach would be doing. It's just... It's coming from Liberty, so people are not into it, and Liberty also is now trying to channel Napoleon in the process. Yeah. It was not that great, General. No! No, 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 no! Um, oh, God. This is bringing me back to when I taught how to teach Napoleon. Um, anyway, as the practices are running, the boys are looking at... at the practices in the window of, like, the door, and are laughing at Liberty and how she looks and things like that. Um, which is not the first time we've had the boys make fun of Liberty for how she looks. 
like, yeah, this is a goofy getup, but, like, we've seen this happen before where, like, you had JT be, like, disgusted at the thought of her having feelings for him and stuff like that. I'm just so defensive of Liberty. It's, I mean, it's fine. <laughs> Who, but, like, but nobody else is defending her. But it's just, I mean, like, you mean like me? <laughs> no, I mean, nobody on, we, we are defending her, but, like, nobody in canon has her back. I mean, admittedly, with this, like, I do agree with Spinner. Like, yeah, it's the same thing with the panther dance. Yeah. Where you're just like, oh, sometimes it's just so easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure, but poor Liberty. I, I, like, yeah, you're right, but poor Liberty. Um, and, because, like, Liberty, of course, is, like, because, like, she does not have support at all, she's lashing out. And the way that she's lashing out is, like, she's she's saying things, because, like, she's talking about, like, formations in the rule book and certain things that she put in the guide, and Manny's just kind of laughing and just is like, oh, like, I don't know what you're talking about. So Liberty lashes out and is like, you're the weakest link here. You're the weakest link on this team. You don't know what's going on in the guidebook. You don't know any of the formations, which, going back to what Hannah said, like, not bad ideas. You should know formations. You should know these types of strategies. However, Manny doesn't give a shit. Um, and Manny does not respond well to Liberty as a leader because Liberty is not really operating in a coaching style that I, that is particularly productive. And, um, um, Kendra snaps that Liberty's orders are useless, like you as a coach. Um, which, ouch. Um. That's a sick burn. Yeah, I was like, Ooh. It really makes, I like, I, I kind of, I really like Kendra as a character. Like, there's something about her that's very, like, entertaining. And I don't remember her being this entertaining when I was a kid. But, like, I like in my rewatch how I feel about her. Like, yeah. I feel like she has a couple, like, she can, she can, like, snipe back in a way that is, like, very much like you can tell that she is Spinner's sister. Like, yeah. I feel like that's her thing. It's like, she, whenever she acts, it's like, hmm. You definitely lived in the same household as Spinner, and I believe it. <laughs> but um, the real gross thing about this is, like, after the team just kind of, like, you know, walks, like, you know, has decided that they're sick of her shit, she, like, goes to her locker, and the boys have taped a jockstrap to her, her locker, which is disgusting. Yep. Like... What was that, Hannah? It's gross. Yeah, it's just it's just super fucking gross. Um, I don't even know what to say. We know by now how I feel about this. It's gross. Yeah, like. <laughs> Sorry, Gwen is playing fucking Bloodborne over here, and it's just like I look up and this like hell beast is on the screen, and it just says you died, which. Is all I understand about this this series. I know it's all I need to know. One the one of the I okay just a, a preface. I didn't like the thanks Obama jokes, like when Obama was president. I loved Obama being president, most of it. Um, but like the thing was, one of my favorite uh, mods for Dark Souls was made by the same people who. Did Bloodborne was when you died, it was just like, thanks, Obama. That's a good one. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, like it's just, it's straight up harassment, but 
It's what I've come to expect from these idiot boys. Yeah, it sounds about right, unfortunately. It's just... It's just the way it is. Anyway, so the game day happens. Joey is the ref for the game. Um, and it seems like it's going to be a pretty fun day. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> like, JT is the mascot. There's a crowd of people there. It looks like there's, like, genuine interest in the game, which is which is good, which is good. However, when Liberty walks in, she's like, I want a closed set. Like, she straight up calls it a closed set. And everyone's like, uh... Isn't Joey, like, dancing around, like... Yeah, like, he's, like, he's animated, he's bebopping, um, and she, But she's like, I want a close set. And then she, like, looks at JT, and she's like, you're doing scoreboard mascot. And, like... And, like, I actually did have a bit of affection for JT, because he just, like, seems so taken aback. He's like, yes, Captain. Yeah, like... <laughs> like, he's removed the head of the mascot uniform. Yeah, like... I feel like there's a lot of scenes in Degrassi, and maybe this is memory blurring things together, but, like, I feel like he does that a lot, where he just is, like, languishing halfway in the mascot uniform. He's just, like, head off, rest of the body on, he's like, yeah, okay, sure, I'll do scoreboard. Um, yeah, like, I wish we saw more of this type of JT, which is a little, like, sarcastic and a little surly, but, like, still agreeable. Yeah. Like, I, and I feel like, to a certain extent, maybe this was the type of JT that they were trying to do a lot of the time, but the execution of it is all over the place. Or it might be what they're heading towards, hopefully. Yeah, like, I like this type of JT, which is, like, not a total jerk, but, like, you know, just kind of one of your surly, sarcastic teenagers. Like, that's, that's just the way a lot of them are. All of them are, maybe. But, like... I like this version. Anyway, so he's like, yeah, okay. And the game starts, and Liberty is, like, freaking out. And the next time we see it, the score is 4-1. to one. Boys are winning. Yeah. Um, and once again, Manny fucking falls for the plot. Let's see. Manny has fall, twisted her ankle for the panther dance. She ate shit <laughs> another time. She ate shit, like... During the, uh, when Terry was doing, um, terror readings. Yeah, but that, that was before the Panther dance, I believe. <laughs> yes, but there's another time she fell. She, when she go during White Wedding, when she goes to see Sean. Yes, she yes. She straight up eats shit. <laughs> <laughs> like. <laughs> and, like, the thing about Manny, canonically, we know that she's a good dancer, and, like, she's relatively graceful, and yet, like, in the writer room, they're like, oh, we need somebody to fall. Manny! Uh, Manny can fall. This is her third episode in 30 episodes. In 10% of the Degrassi episodes, Manny eats shit. <laughs> <laughs> And mind, I might edit that later, because, like, that slime does not really work well. <laughs> I, I get it, though. She beefs it. 10% yeah. of Degrassi episodes, Manny Santos beefs it. <laughs> I think I found the title for this episode. There we go. I'm glad we found it. But, like, she, like, so she, I, I love the phrase, eat shit, so I'm gonna say she eats shit. She yeah. bumps into Spinner and eats shit. And, like, is just, like, my wrist is fucked up. And 
<laughs> At least it's not one of my fragile, fragile ankles. Right? Like, goddamn, I got so many damn titanium, like, titanium screws in these things now. <laughs> my ankles have made me a cyborg. Right? Like, she's just like, oh. Um, and Liberty is- And also, I'm Mr. Armstrong. Oh, stop! <laughs> but, um, Liberty is like, oh, like, she needs to play. Like, she needs to play. She's not that hurt. She needs to play. And Joey's just like, no. Like- what the fuck? No. <laughs> and then Liberty's like, I've been using the end of um, A Knight's Tale. Just tape the hockey stick to her arm. Yeah, right. Like, she's just like, it's fine. Um, and Manny is like, you're being a tyrant. And Emma's just like, you need to relax. Oh, there's the episode title. Wow, 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 wow. Um, and this is kind of the final straw for the team. Like, they're like, Fuck it. Like, we don't want to do this anymore. We don't care anymore. And they begin walking off. Um, of course, the boys see this as an easy win. And I love Joey being like, now they can still come back out. Like, <laughs> come on, guys. Come on. Let's not be sore winners here. Um, and when we go to the locker room, the girls are just like, oh, like, they're, they're like, Kendra says that, you know, it's not that they're quitting the game, but that they're quitting Liberty. Um, and Liberty hears this and she's just like, you know, be mad at me, but don't let the boys win. Yeah. And, when, yeah. <laughs> no, I was gonna say, when in doubt, like, women of the world, don't let the men win. Yeah, right? It's just like, please, <laughs> whatever you do. I mean, true. Uh, and, like, you know, Liberty then... Well, <laughs> When in doubt, people of the world, don't let the men win. Yeah. I'm all about that. I'm about that neutrality there. Um, and, and then, like, she, you know, Liberty tries to, like, show humility. And the way that she does that is she specifically only compliments Kendra and Emma. It's like, the rest of you suck at floor hockey. Emma and Kendra, you're going to be the ones who are going to win this. Yeah, and they don't. <laughs> no, no. Um, Liberty waits outside the game, and Hasselakos kind of checks in on her. Um, and Hasselakos is like, oh, like, they were pushed too hard. Like, that's the challenge of, you know, being a coach, is you have to figure out, like, when to not push your players too far. Which would have been a worthwhile lesson if Hasselakos was conscious at any point during this plot and was actually, like, trying to be a mentor toward Liberty and not just making her do laundry all the fucking time. Yeah. Just like, hey, maybe you'd stepped in, like, two hours earlier. Like, they would have had a better chance at winning. Maybe when she busted out the epaulets, you went, you know what? I should be an adult here. <laughs> So, but like, so, so we know that they lost because Liberty is then cleaning jock straps. What the fuck is wrong with this like, show? I don't, I don't understand. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. You had to say Hannah? It's just agreeing. Sorry. No, it's all good. It's just like, I don't understand. Like my uniform when I did cross country was my responsibility to clean. Like, why? I also feel like jock straps in general were something that, like, you as a player would buy and then have to be responsible for. Like, that wasn't part of your, like, it would be expected that you wore it, but, like, it was part of your 
uni- like, you know what? Like, it's not like a part of the uniform that's school issue. Like, schools are not issuing jock straps. I, I got a cross-country uniform. There was a tank top and, or a jersey and some horrifically tiny shorts. Did not get a jock strap. Yeah, like, I mean, I work in after school, like, I work in youth development now. So, like, a part of my job is, like, helping oversee uniforms and stuff like that. So, I can 100% say this. We do not budget for jock straps. I have seen our financials. It's it's like Disney. Everybody gets to wear the same communal underwear. Oh, that's not true. You're looking at me. Ask your sources. I'm asking my sources about the about that. I am asking my sources because I have sources and I will find out. <laughs> it's just like the so- question about the uniform is now. Yeah. Because like my I didn't start after grade eight, so my knowledge of this is uh, limited to before that. Mm-hmm. But my school form shirts that were for all of the teams your that, school would uh, do what shirts shirts and of like home shirts sport you were or what team you were everybody wore the same shirts and you just brought them back to the school at the end yeah that seemed normal to me is that unusual that's that's totally normal i mean it depends on the budget of the school like some schools may have you be able to keep your shirt at the end of the season. It it really depends in that sense. Um, I know that with my program, I, I technically work for a nonprofit that works in collaboration with a school. And, like, my school has a big enough budget that, like, they can update the uniform more. They can update the uniform kind of yearly, really. Um, whereas in, like, a lot of schools, like, you would probably have the same uniform for a couple of years, so it would be very similar to what you're speaking to, Hannah, where, like, you would just, like, wear it during the season, you would clean it, and then return it at the end of the year. And a lot of, that's what most, most sports do. Um, and, you know, you just have, like, a consistent amount of sizes. It's kind of like marching, like, even marching band. Like, I was given a uniform at the beginning of the year, I kept it in my home for, like, you know, the whole season, and then after our last, like, holiday parade, we were expected to bring it and keep it at the school. Yeah, I mean, like, my uniform was also handed down. Yeah. Like, it's... Yeah. Yeah, it's, like, not too out of the ordinary with that type of stuff. Um, regardless, like, so, like that kind of reiterates the point, though, of, like, not having jock straps. Like, that's obviously not something that, like gets spread around that's just yours like like i can't imagine any world where a school wouldn't be like so you know this is a huge health violation and hazard communal jock straps yeah well not even communal jock straps like having a child clean jock straps yeah yeah it's true it's it it goes back to this weird issue that I have with the tone of Degrassi. And I feel like we don't really ding it in terms of calling it tone a lot of the time, but I feel like Degrassi, this is really what the issue I have here, where a lot of the time it is trying to be this kind of after-school special-ish program, right? It's supposed to be talking about the trials and tribulations of being a teenager, 
and you know your plots are going to run the gamut in terms of the seriousness but ultimately are going back to that idea right okay they're about sometimes being a teenager sucks sometimes you have to struggle with some things cool okay fine but it goes into that kind of 80s humor sometimes and it doesn't land because it doesn't make sense on a tonal level it doesn't make sense that liberty is cleaning jock straps because that whole ho ho jock straps are funny joke doesn't land given the tone that the show is trying to set up the tone and the time like yeah but even th- I, I don't remember the 80s version of the series even doing that type of shit i would even say like the tone a lot of the time of the 80s series is very serious super duper serious i i i mean it's a very different type of show there's yeah there's a lot of similarities they're structured differently. I think the tone is a little more serious in in the original, in like that, or like 80s run. I need to rewatch it, which we will explain to the audience how they can hear us talk about it um, very shortly. But um, I remember it being much more serious. So like, it's weird seeing this weird conflict that Degrassi has in terms of tone where they have these stories running and they are very realistic looks on what kids go through and then it's like ha ha jackstraps taped to a locker which back in the like you know it's like my mom always um brings this up about and like about how horrified she was of the 1940s and the 1950s is that on like Amos and Andy or the whatever the show was with um the the detective not detective the small town police officer uh, Andy Griffith the Andy Griffith show okay is like there's this, like they make a joke like oh like so and so is in the tank for beating up his wife and they laugh about it and like my mom and I saw that and we're just horrified of it and yeah. it's like shit like. Jokes evolve because we're evolving. Mm-hmm. Like it's true. It's 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 why millennial humor is this weird like neo data like <laughs> kind of bullshit because it's like it, same with Gen Z humor. Like I think that a lot of us are picked up on like the humor that was popular during the early aughts and back was really not funny because it was continuously punching down or making light of the tragedies of the world in a way that's, like, not even remotely okay. Like, we don't tell the same jokes that we used to because it's not fucking funny. Yeah, like, you know, it's why currently, like, for me, the greatest sketch I've ever seen on SNL is David Pumpkins Mm -hmm. because it just, like, hits my humor center so hard because, like, we've discussed this as well. Like, you know, it's really hard now finding a, a comedian who isn't problematic. Because yeah. a lot of them are, like, falling on the old easy tropes, you know. So, yeah. But, yeah, so it's just, like, cut it out, Degrassi. Like, we're done. Like, the 80s are done. Like, I would love this show a lot more if, like, JT was just like, so, like, smart, like, you know, our sarcastic little dude who just had made, like, funny observational humor, but instead he makes shitty jokes mm-hmm. that we've all heard in those awful 80s movies. And, like, 
I've seen the show be able to do some funny things that unfortunately I'm very tired and cannot remember right now. I, I did laugh. Well, no, they're like dumb shit. Like Spinner being asking about his mom, his mom about his background, and his mom pointing at a globe and being like, "You're from Earth." Or Spinner running past like Mrs. Kwan trying to get a fever. Like, give me that. Like, don't, don't give me like what the past had because I didn't want the past. Like, I wanted the early aughts. We like, want the next generation. Yeah. So. So anyway, um, the girls come to thank Liberty for all she did and show her a surprise in that Joey was so um, taken by their actions at the game that he bought them uniforms as well. They also only lost by one. Yeah. Once it was said and done, they were able to like catch up in some way, which was impressive. And it's like when they also give the uniform, it's actually kind of cute. Because the uniform has, like, a little patch on the back that says team manager on it. So it's, like, reintroducing her back into, like, you know, to, to the team and giving her her title and things like that. Um, but you want to know what I don't like about this? What? Hasselakos makes no effort to give her a model of how to be a better team manager, which would have been really good. To actually see Liberty in action doing better and not being an asshole to the team. Hatsalakos is basically the coach from Habanado, the badminton anime. I don't even, I did not even know the badminton anime existed. Yeah, my, um,. Chris got me onto it, and it is intense. Hannah, have you ever watched the badminton anime? Haven't. I. It came out earlier this year, right? Um, I haven't really watched much uh, new anime this year. I have been uh, regressing and watching some things that I watched as a kid, which I will get into later. Um, Ooh, was really good. Nice. But um. Yeah, I mean, she just doesn't do anything. And, like, between, I mean, between, like, so, as somebody who has, like, watched some sports anime that has decent mentorship in it, like, where you have your third years mentoring your first years into, like, becoming something greater, or, like, Friday Night Lights, where you have the whole entire story focus on Coach Taylor trying to reach out to these boys in various ways and, and girls, like some of the girls as well, and like trying to build them all into better people. Like it's just a shame when you see a coach that's shitty but not really called out for being shitty because it's like Friday Night Lights was existing within a similar space that Degrassi was. I think maybe like this is like still right before Friday Night Lights started, if I recall correctly. I think I, I haven't looked lined up the timeline of this episode to when that premiered. But like it's annoying when you know that there's media that really talks about the sports experience in a way that's actually inspiring and interesting. And then you got Hasalakos phoning it in because that's all Hasalakos does. I'm sorry. I know that's really mean toward her. I know that she has a complex about it, but also what have you done for me lately, Hasalakos? <laughs> You've been a racist. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, yes? So she just sort of 
Sometimes useless things with a very pleasant expression. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly okay, it. But okay. It's really weird. Yes. She's like a useless adult in like a kid's show. Um. Yeah, I was going. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna make a Friday Night's Light joke from the three episodes I watched, but I can't remember the saying. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. For some reason, I thought it was eyes up, full hearts, can't lose. No, it's not. <laughs> Just like Liberty's saying that before they like go in for the second quarter, half, whatever. Period. Period. They're called. <laughs> No, that would be great. I would love Liberty looking at them going clear eyes, full hearts, and they all yell back, can't lose. I would, like, love that happening. Like, it's, like, raining for some reason. They're For whatever reason, they're playing roller hockey outdoors. Or floor hockey outdoors. And then the rain takes its, ma takes its mask off, and it's a sunny day. And it's actually indoors. <laughs> but anyway... So, so Liberty gets a moment where she's reintroduced to the team. I have my gripes about it. Frank, what's your rating for this episode? I go to B minus. Honestly, like, there's just nothing here. Like, it wasn't as popcorn an episode as Drive was. There's some problems, but overall, I can. I it was tolerable. Like, I read the description as, like, Liberty yells at Manny. I'm like, oh, that's going to be rough to get through. And I was like, okay, it's not that bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, B minus. How about you, Hannah? I don't have much to compare it to, obviously, but it, it, it feels like an episode that is but kind of inconsequential in terms of a larger story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Enjoyable. You could probably skip it if you didn't really want to watch it, but, like... I mean, honestly, yeah. <laughs> I feel like this is a skippable episode. Yeah, but it's nice to be with you guys. <laughs> I did like Liberty a lot, so I'm glad that I got to experience her. Well... Seeing how we're talking about characters we like, why don't we bounce over to character rankings? Aw, heck yeah. Look at you, Frank, taking on these transitions. I'm very tired. I know. <laughs> and I, I, I just, um, full disclosure, listeners, I got up from the table to go eat an Airhead to get some much-needed sugar boost. It's it did not work. No. But I, I would not eat on this podcast because I will not masticate in people's ears. It's like the only rule Frank has. Like, Frank has, like, like first day we were recording, Frank's like, you can't eat on air. You can drink, you can't eat on air. I'm like, okay. It's just gross sound. I agree. I agree. I don't disagree. I just found it really funny that, like, you were very clear that was your one rule. <laughs> and to beat me, you're going to have to break your one rule. I'm like... <laughs> Anyway, character rankings. This is where we talk about characters that we enjoy, characters we think are on the rise, characters we think are falling, or initial reactions. Alright, um, Liberty, you're on the rise for learning, beginning to learn how to be a good leader. Um, trial by file for you. Manny and Emma... Uh, Manny's on the rise for standing up for herself and calling out Liberty's crap. Um, Emma only kind of followed Manny. Um, 
Kendra is rising higher than all th- both of them for just being like, fuck this noise, I'm out. Um, Spinner, you're going down for being a sexist jerk. Jimmy is going down, but not as much, because I feel like Jimmy tried to work it out towards the end. Um, Joey, for agreeing to a fair uh, contest of champions, uh, um, you're on the rise a little bit. Uh, Hasselakos, you're going down, obviously, for the weird racist shit, and just not being a good leader yourself. Like, not exactly leading by example. Um, Armstrong, do not, still don't enjoy you hanging out with Liberty by your, by your lonesomes. Um, JT, on the rise for being a little bit snarky, a little bit sarcastic, but not gross. Uh, is that it? Oh, pay, duh, yeah, the, duh, old, the, the whole B-plot. The B-plot. Uh, Ashley, for having Terry's back, you're on the rise. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hazel, for having Paige's back, you're on the rise. I'm very much into loyalty. Uh, Paige, um, you're back on the grift, which I love, so you can remain where you are at the very near top. Um, Terry... Uh, you're also rising in my estimations for getting some sweet, sweet revenge. And also coming up with a dramatic way to get said revenge. <laughs> um, I think that's it. Oh, did I say Sean? No, I don't think you did. Sean, you didn't really get in with the sexist bullshit, so you're not really moving. So. Okay, I think that's it. How about you, Hannah? Um... Well, as you may have noticed, I like Liberty a lot. She was great. Uh, she she would be a little difficult to get along with. Um, she's the kind of character that I would excite, be excited to see her take over the world once she becomes an adult. That's real. That's so real. That's, uh, most of the other younger girls didn't make a huge impression on me. They didn't have, like humongous roles and I would be hesitant to judge them based on like a few seconds of screen time although I did really like Emma's little dance at the end when she tells uh Liberty to try the jersey on that was adorable (laughs) I miss that Uh, that's a good that's a good spot it was really cute um and was kind of so it was one of the only distinct, like, Emma scenes that I have seen um, mm-hmm. as a non-watcher, so it was very positive on nice. that end. Paige, I have, again, the queen bee behavior. It's not my favorite. I think I like her. I spent the entire episode trying to figure out what her motives were, and I still don't really know what they are research to make a statement on her but like on her I like Ashley's aesthetic she like popped in and out of or in and off of the screen a couple of times and it was mm-hmm. always very entertaining yeah so. we need to get you on a um Ellie episode oh god you gotta meet you gotta meet the other queen Queen Ellie oh 
she's good. She's she's Ashley's best friend for for a little bit of a aesthetic uh, help, a little aesthetic guide. She is Ashley's best friend. Yeah. It's good. It's real good. Any other character related thoughts? Nothing that stands out. Okay. That about covers it. So let's move on to recommendations. This is where we recommend things that are similar or just things that we're enjoying. So the recommendation I'm going to make, I'm fairly certain Gwyn has recommended the manga of this. However, I saw the movie adaptation of Kaze-san and Morning Glories um, at Anime NYC. Um, and I absolutely loved it. It was really, really good. Um, if you are somebody who really wants to find some media that portrays girls loving girls in a way that is so earnest and so real, um, definitely check it out. It's legitimately one of the most real pieces of anime, like, anime I've ever seen. Like, I feel like sometimes it's hard to connect with certain characters and things because you have these trope structures and stuff that you're working with. But this movie, the characters in it, just felt like people I could relate to when I was a teenager, but also now as an adult trying to navigate relationships. I really enjoyed it. I'm excited to finally sit down and read the manga because from my understanding, the manga is also really, really good at this as well. So check it out. It's in the process of premiering at a lot of anime conventions right now, and I know that it's um, going to start being more accessible as time goes on. So check out the manga. It's officially licensed, so you can easily find it wherever you buy your manga. Um, but also keep, an, keep a lookout for the anime itself. It is a joy to watch. It's also about a jock. So it's a jock and a gardener. <laughs> so that's my connection to this episode. <laughs> How about you, Hannah? Uh, as I alluded to before, I have like regressed about a decade in my media consumption. Good. And I'm currently super into like Canadian teens show. Teen, as in girl six teen. It aired from 2004 to 2006 and it's these like six Canadian teenagers who hang in a mall and like flirt with other complain about their minimum wage jobs and very much um it's super tropey like there are characters whose names are coach and rent-a-cop because they don't do anything else um but it's really fun and one of the characters is a sporty girl she really wants to be an olympic snowboarder and she currently works at the sporting goods store a little bit neurotic likes to be in everybody's business kind of a good tie-in with the liberty thing here mm -hmm. um, and she has a couple of standout episodes so called one quiet day which is about how to organize everybody's midterm uh study schedules and uh, bet her that she can't go a full day without giving anybody any unsolicited advice and hijinks ensue. Uh, and then in the season four premiere, Labor Day is 
a two-part or a two-episode, suppose, about how you can get shit done in their group and everything falls apart when she's not there. <laughs> a little bit less of a lesson learned and more of a it can be useful to be a bossy woman sometimes. And Lorna sixteen. Yeah, Liberty needs a plot like that. I feel like. Yeah. I feel like that's what she deserves is a plot like that. So yeah, I'll definitely have to check that out. It sounds relevant to my interests. I, I mean, again, super tropey, like it's not funny. the best, but it holds up really well considering it's over a decade old and fun watching that again. Yeah, nah, thank you for the recommendation. Yeah, that's um, a good one. The second thing that I need to recommend, which I about at Donnie earlier, um, <laughs> is PSA of all time. And this sort of ties in with the, like, Terry Page thing to me. Mm-hmm. But good question things. Canadian PSAs from, like, the early aughts are uh, to begin with, but the North American House Hippo is a cultural icon. Um, It was this PSA put out by Concerned Children's Advertisers about why you shouldn't believe everything you see on UB. Unfortunately, the way they did it, everybody believed what they saw on TV, and there's an entire generation of, like, Canadian millennials who all have a story of how heartbroken they were when they realized that the North American house hippo wasn't real. Say on YouTube. Oh my gosh. Favorite things. <laughs> but yeah, don't believe everything you see on TV. Don't believe everything you see in somebody's palm because it might be children's advertisers. <laughs> I'm going to have to check that out. I'm so intrigued now, but... I, I once again I appreciate that you're giving us a little more insight into like what it was like to be a kid in this and like because like I feel like the relationship with the U S and Canada is like very odd and very murky. I think a lot of people like assume one has had a similar experience to the other, and then you get like these little moments <laughs> like this, and you're like, oh no, no, these are two different countries. Like there are definitely. Yeah different things happening between the two of them yeah yeah i have a lot of opinions on canadian psas so if you ever have a psa episode in the future bring me back for that one i will have a lot to say please please do and frank how about your recommendation all right so now that i mentioned it um because i didn't really have anything before um hanabato H-A-N-E-B-A-D-O exclamation point. Um, it's a anime about girls playing badminton and it goes places. Um, like, yeah, it... I, I, I don't want to... It, it takes... It, it'll take you on a journey. A well, like, a journey worth taking. Like, the only thing is that it's written by a man, or written and drawn by a man, so, like... It shows. Yeah. The the shots of the girls playing badminton are very male gazy and whatnot, so that's not great. Um, but it's... 
I'm, it was a weird, weird journey that I'm happy I took. Um, so I, I tried to find some trigger warnings, but they're not really in there. Like maybe childment, childhood abandonment issues might be something to watch out for if that's something that gets you bothered. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing I want to recommend, which this hasn't appeared yet, but I highly suggest everybody to, um, I highly suggest everyone to check it out, um, is a book by one of my friends, Samantha Allen, Real Queer America, LGBT Stories from Red States, um, which is, uh, she was traveling, she traveled through, uh, the, like, Bible Belt and all these other states, um, and her motto was something gay every day, so she just hunted at these little, like, places of, you know, here, here, I'm just gonna read the description if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. Um, a transgender reporter's narrative tour through the surprisingly vibrant queer community sprouting up in red states. Offering a vision of a stronger, more humane America. Ten years ago, Samantha Allen was a suit-and-tie-wearing Mormon missionary. Now she's a senior Daily Beast reporter, happily married to another woman. A lot in her life has changed, but what hasn't changed is her deep love of red state America, and of queer people who stayed in so-called flyover country, rather than moving to the liberal coasts. In Real Queer America, Allen takes us on a cross-country road trip, stretching all the way from Provo, Utah, to the Rio Grande Valley, to the Bible Belt to the Deep South. Her motto for the trip, something gay every day. Making pit stops at drag shows, political rallies, and hubs of queer life across the heartland, she introdu- introduces us to scores of extra- extraordinary LGB- LGBT people working for change. From the first openly transgender mayor in Texas history to the manager of the only queer nightclub in Bloomington, Indiana, and many more. Um, I read her other book, uh, Love and Estrogen, I think you've recommended that before. Yeah. Um, and it probably is my... We're closing out uh, 2018. It's probably the best book I read in 2018. Nice. Um, so I highly suggest... Uh, I already have pre-ordered, I already pre-ordered my copy. And I highly suggest you do as well. Nice. So. So with that said, um, Hannah, you've made it through. Woo! Congratulations. Are there ways that people can continue talking to you about Degrassi or some of your many interests um, on social media and stuff like that? Yeah, I am primarily on Twitter. It's Homarasana, which is the genus name for the North American lobster, in case you were wondering. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's H-O-M-A-R-U-S, Hannah, H-A-N-N-A-H. At the moment, there's an awful lot of North Atlantic right whale business up in there. So if you like whales, and if you want to talk about whales, hit me up. I love talking about whales. I love it. Okay. You remind me a lot. I, I said this when, I, when you show me your email address, which I will not publicize on here, but like, I wish we had you on an Emma episode because I feel like you give this Emma energy because Emma usually cares a lot about, like, animals and things like that. And, like, that's her big passion. And, like, there was a time where she had to do a report 
on it. I'm going to break the rule. Sorry. Yeah. It's not a rule. It's just we're resetting the counters back to zero. Yeah. She did a report on a turtle named Mama Onu because she just loved this one specific turtle so much and it was adorable. So, like, I feel like we got to get you back on specifically for an Emma episode so that you can find your, like, your your kindred spirit in the series. Absolutely. I'm in love with a whale named 2340. He doesn't have a name yet, but maybe someday he will. Well, <laughs> he does. It's so, 2340. I understand. <laughs> yeah. I love it. But, um... If you want to keep in touch with the show, um, maybe we'll try our best to answer your thoughts about whales. I, at the very least, would love to hear your thoughts about whales. We'd love to just hear from, like, hear from our, fa- you know, hear from people who listen to the show. Yeah. Like, if you have questions for us or something, just hit us up. Yeah, and the ways that you can do that is you can go on to ihopepod at gmail.com. You can also talk to us on Twitter at iHopePod, on Tumblr at iHopePod, or our Facebook group at I Hope I Can Make It Through Podcast. Um, thank you, everybody who has followed those so far and has talked to us. It's been a real joy hearing some of the things that have stood out to you. Um, if you like, it was nice also to see some feedback about some of the guests that we've had and things like that. Um, we really appreciate it, and even if I'm the one who runs a lot of the social media, I let Frank know when we get stuff, so please know that we have a lot of love for it from the bottom of our hearts. We also really want to promote reviewing. Um, so here at iHopePod, we've talked a little bit together about what we want to do, because there is a whole part of Degrassi that has existed before the next generation, (laughs) and we do want to explore it, but we were trying to figure out ways that we could do it. So Frank came up with a pretty interesting way to kind of give you an initiative of how to be able to hear some of our thoughts about that, some of the original Degrassi runs. So Frank, if you would like to take this on. So essentially what we're going to do is I'm going to find... A list of like the top like original Degrassi episodes, and for every twenty reviews we get, we'll pop in like maybe three or so episodes of original Degrassi episodes. Kind of hitting the highlights because we can't dive all the way into like you know we can't do two episodes a week permanently, but we can like pop in some extra episodes here and there give you guys a little treat and a little thank you for supporting it because we want to find a way to celebrate those of you who take the time to not just like listen but also to engage back so a little initiative for those of you who maybe have been thinking about leaving a review you never really had much of a reason to if you want to hear us trying to explore some of those some of those older episodes which i've only watched through once a couple episodes i've watched twice Mm-hmm. feel free. Um, we will also try and line up maybe some guests as well to try and make sense of the wild, wild world that was Degrassi Junior High and Degrassi High. Um, and, like, I'm, we're also talking about ratings. So, like, 20 ratings plus, you know, reviews will do some extra episodes for you. And we are at five right now, so... So, yeah, it doesn't we, take much to get there. Yeah, at the time that we're recording, so... We will, you know, keep keep at it, and we will be able to give you some more content along the way. 
Um, other ways that you can also have control of the content, feel free to email us um, if you're interested in becoming a co-host. Um, we have a lot of really fun folks that we like to have on and hopefully they have a fun time too. Um, but if you're somebody who feels that maybe you can bring something different, whether you're a veteran or a newbie, feel free to email us at ihopepod at gmail.com. Also feel free to talk to your friends. If you know some people that you think have some really interesting takes or maybe come from a um, you know, just come from perspective that might be important within the context of this, or maybe they're Canadian, we need more Canadians, please feel free to email us. Also feel free to give us an audio clip or a written statement about a character, about the story, about Degrassi, about a plot that meant something to you, whether it's an episode that we already recorded or an episode that we have down the pipeline, we would love to include it in our show. Um, also, we have a coffee so we like to offer our guests the chance of our compensation, so feel free, if you feel if you feel so bold, to give us some money. It's going to go directly toward helping us in terms of tech, as well as helping out our guests for taking the time to talk with us, sometimes three-hour blocks. Yep. <laughs> if you would like to talk to me individually, you can reach me, you can reach out to me on Twitter at DM is Unbreakable. I uh, have another podcast I do with my sister called Teen Girl Talk. So you can definitely see us in different ways, in different forms, um, throughout your throughout your time, depending on what you're interested in. Um, but other than that... Um, We've made it through. We have. And we hope you'll keep on making it through with us. Until next week, everyone. See ya. Later. <laughs>